jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Welcome back to <laughs> Gay Lords of Darkness. Unless this is your first time and then just welcome in general, I suppose. Yes, enjoy. Come in, sit down. Have yeah. a um, uh, have a nice uh, coffee cake or a bar. <laughs> okay. Craft services. We have craft services for I all see. of our listeners, Stacey. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. I went out. I selected the Intamin's coffee cake myself, like oh. Mrs. Dalloway. I fucking love Intamin's coffee cake. Intamin's coffee cake? Wait, you have it there? Of course. Wait, the Intamin's isn't my local bakery? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's local small batch. Sorry. That's what I thought they've been tricking me all this time. Yeah. Are you kidding? The Entenmann's Christmas tree cookies? Yeah, man. What? Um, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I need to. I need to reset. Wow. Well, okay. Well. Because I well I know the acclaimed classics like the Entenmann's coffee cake with the with the white drizzle and the raspberry drizzle and the blueberry drizzle, but Entenmann's Christmas tree cookies? Yeah. What's a Christmas tree cookie? Is it's it just it's just like a shortbread cookie with sugar on it and they're shaped like little christmas trees oh holiday classic my friend oh i love it i knew they were shortbread because i've been uh, catching up on the great british baking show <gasps> you so have I was, been. so i was like that's a shortbread cookie that's honestly that's my up for business <laughs> i have n- i have nothing i've been watching that and playing halo like the gamer bro that i am and that's all i've been doing so my up for business is not even as exciting as a couple of weeks ago where i got that catalog like that <laughs> seems like high stakes action compared to this week man that was sweeps week yeah this is this yeah. is like a rerun yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely everybody just tunes right out so i have some notes one oh, I, I really appreciate um your newfound ability to identify a cookie that is presented to you thank you and you can say they you know we hold up the flashcard. you say shortbread that's right you say um Mm, praline mm-hmm. i don't is that a cookie <laughs> that's no. like an ingredient mm, yeah thank a... you well you knew that and then too i appreciate how different um no how wide reaching your interests are mm. and it's halo and great british british bake-off Those are the two genders Th- there are only two and it's those <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's right so, uh, you know, I try. I try to... I don't, do I try? No. <laughs> but those are that's what I'm into this week, so... <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I mean, but you've been doing things, so there's that, right? I have? You Well, you put on your makeup. Oh, <laughs> 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 You know, I mean. I love, it's like my, it's like, um, 
it's like seeing like 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 my grandma at Christmas or something. Have you put on your makeup? Just, just really <laughs> leaning into my old fag lifestyle here. Is this your friend? Oh, do you put on makeup together? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I have been putting on makeup <laughs> and my woman suit, my clown woman suit, and it's been a great time. Is it's it about a, a size, both size fourteen? <laughs> Do you know what I am a size fourteen? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The correct answer is yes, <laughs> my queen. <laughs> Oh, boy. And I was Clarice Starling. You saw the video. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> that was the correct response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so yeah. you've been, but you've been doing things. In yeah, I full, well, I was going to say full drag, but I mean, that's what it is. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say full nude. Uh, nope. <laughs> Do you know, did I tell you about the swingers club down the street? No. They do literally, literally the other side, like the others, like, okay, not the other side. I was going to say the other side of my house, but that's a, that's a blatant lie. Two blocks from my house, there's a swingers club called The Velvet Rope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they do drag shows there, uh, like in the rooms while the people do the, the sex acts at mm. each other. Wow. And they have a stage, which, you know, sometimes the stage is used for other acts and then they have the drag shows sometimes too but the part that i love stacy and i want to know if this was victim of the pandemic too because you would think maybe you're like sizzlers all closed everywhere and it's been really tragic you would think that if like a salad bar went away that the swingers club would also be a victim of the pandemic because like you can only control so much fluid exchange i guess so but then but my question is I've never been there, even though I live but only two blocks away. However, one of my friends that does the shows there has reported back that there is a salad bar at the Swingers Club. Did you tell me this on one of these shows? I think I did tell you. Oh, this is when we started talking about the salad tank. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, no, I, that is just the worst. Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but do you think... Do you think it's still there? I mean, in that environment, they might as well say, who cares? Right, because because it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't matter, right? If you're having that. Unless people are getting into, like, individual hamster balls <laughs> to do it. Like, what difference does it make if there's a friggin' pube in your salad? Like, and COVID. Like, you're already ensconced. <laughs> Pubes and COVID. Yeah, you're already <laughs> ensconced in all of the marvels that the human body has to offer. So who yes. cares if it ends up as a topping on your salad, you know? Oh, no. It's I'm... wondrous sights. The yeah. wondrous sights. You walk into the velvet rope and it's just, there's just seniors, uh, freewheeling seniors in hamster balls <laughs> rolling around a salad bar. <laughs> there's something like... Not that I, it sounds like a high class place. First of all, props and pity to the drag performers. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Just putting myself in their shoes for like one second and looking out on this sea. I'm just imagining it as a sea of f flesh. 
it is. As, as people are like fucking and like doing all this stuff while you're up there if i could turn back tap or whatever <laughs> so not that i thought that this was like a high class establishment but there's something about a salad bar that just brings down any it could be the louvre and they put a salad bar in it and you're like these paintings are all garbage, you know what I mean? The Louvre salad bar. Yeah, <laughs> like there's just something about any kind of buffet, but especially a salad bar. That Well, because half the time it's like um, ambrosia salad and like the jello cubes. Plus, in my mind, this place is just a wide open space with a stage and a salad bar. <laughs> And the seal and flesh. That's and that's it. And so they just like do it. And then when they're spent, oh, no. they get up and like, oh, put some iceberg lettuce in a bowl. And... Some Thousand Island and some jello cubes. Yeah. Oh. That's how I imagine it. It's it's fully that. It's it's just those two things. The rest of it is is Clive Barker's In the Hills, The Cities. And it's just the bodies and bodies. Maybe it's very kind of you to assume that they save the food for after. Because I think some of them are probably trying to get the best bang for their buck. And they're just, they're fisting eggs into their mouth while... Fisting eggs with one hand, fisting (laughs) Judy with the other. Like, multitasking, you know what? A portrait of versatility. I just, uh, it just sounds like a fucking Hieronymus Bosch painting. <laughs> it's 100% the Garden of Earthly Delights. <laughs> yeah, just, I kind of want to buy a print and like paint a little salad bar in the background. <laughs> I bet if we looked, if we really analyzed the works of Bosch, we would find a salad bar. Yeah, he, they're he gonna knew. restore. They're gonna restore one of these one day and find the hidden layer underneath. And <laughs> yeah, with the, be with a the X-ray. <laughs> yeah. There's no Da Vinci Code like Mary Magdalene was the last scion. Like it's just yeah. a salad bar. Just <laughs> a salad it. bar. Oh gosh. I mean, God, humans. <laughs> We're special. Right? We're special. We're special. It's just like I mean, more power to you if that's what works for you. But also, just like. It's just sex. You know, like, I don't know. There has to be a salad bar? Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Just it would be, like, a thing to do. Like, getting in the car. You get in your car, and you know that you're driving to the velvet rope to have sex and salad. And take in a performance. Uh, it's like know. soup and salad, but with yeah, yeah. <laughs> additional fluid exchange. Yeah. And a performance. See? It's you want It's dinner theater. It's dinner theater. <laughs> it's theater for the performer and for the audience. It's interactive. Yeah. It's like Tony and Tina's wedding, but with <laughs> fisting. Tony and Tina's uh, fisting extravaganza. <laughs> we assume there's fisting. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so that's how my shows have been. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you for filling us all in on your makeup adventures. Oh boy. 
But alas, today, um, today we're not fisting, we're not salad barring, uh, we're not, we're not, we're not putting on makeup. Um, today we're, we're not even doing a horror movie. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, <laughs> listen, okay, right off the bat, this movie, The Power of the Dog, new Jane Campion film. Yes. Is in theaters and on the Netflix right now. Yes. It's brand new. If you have not seen this movie, I highly suggest you turn this off and go watch it and come back. Absolutely. Okay, please do that. Hit pause. Yeah. Uh, We'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll just sit here quietly until you come back. Yeah. (laughs) Probably talking about salad bars or something else. We'll find a way to occupy our time. (laughs) Yeah, I think we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Uh, No, but I think this is a movie. Okay, so we were trying to figure out what to do this week. And this is an Anthony Hudson pick. It was. Um, And I said, okay, like I have wanted to see this. I said, is it queer horror? And Anthony said, mm, yes. Technically. Technically, I said. Technically. And I'm like, okay. Uh, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can see, you can see the criteria, criteria by which I, uh, it forced that stretch. I suppose. I think it wasn't even necessarily a sincere stretch. I think you just really wanted to do this movie, which is fine. I didn't take a lot of convincing. And Anthony was like, I really want to do it. And I said, okay, let's do it. And Anthony was like, I, I just want to do this movie. And I was like, okay, Anthony, we'll do it. <laughs> well, not queer horror. This probably should have been a Gaysterpiece Theater episode. But you know what? Here's the thing, listeners. I don't care because this movie is a fucking masterpiece thank you one of the reasons anthony wanted to do it now is because it is brand new and to get more eyes on this movie because very few people are talking about it and so i am thrilled to be doing this episode because this movie is incredible thank you thank you thank you i feel i feel vindicated i feel validated I feel, um, uh, I, I feel seen. This movie is perfect. This movie is amazing. This is exact. I'm so happy to hear you say that too, because this is, and yes, this is exactly why I wanted to talk about this movie today is because this movie is a mass. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's so good. Uh, Jane Campion is a legend. <laughs> um, and I don't see anybody talking about this film. No. Maybe they would talk about it more if... If they knew. Well, if they knew, if it was not called The Power of the Dog, but if it was called Cow Me By Your Name, then... <laughs> then maybe they would know. They should. We should change.org um, <laughs> to change the title of the film. Mm-hmm. That's So my experience with this film was... We showed it at the Hollywood Theater. We sadly just ended the run of it. Um, and I wish it would just play for, e- for infinity. Um, so my second watch of this was on Netflix, where luckily it is available. I think, if anything, that's the saving grace here, is that uh, people can easily watch access this film. So yes. easily. It was playing at the theater. My friend said, like, I have a little cult of people peeps that I go see movies with. And 
they said, oh, you have to come with us. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm too busy. My Dreamcast just showed up. And so I stayed home and I didn't watch the movie. And I, I also was like, I don't have an interest in seeing that. I know it's Jane Campion, but it's a Western. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Two things that I don't want anywhere near me. And then the movie finished. Like, I, I missed the movie. My friends all text me and they say, you have to see it. it we're not going to say anything, but it's gay. And I was like, I'm intrigued. But I still took a lot more. It, it took every single one of them texting me and t- tweeting me and subtweeting me every single day until I broke down. I went and saw it. And I said, why wasn't I, why wasn't I the first person in the theater? I had no idea. It's just a great movie. It's like, oh, look at this. Just like people acting and it's pretty and it's a great story and it's intriguing. And I just love it, love it, love it. I was Mm. in it, in it, in it, in it, in it. And then all like the last 15 minutes. Yep. I fell over. Yep. I did not expect where the movie took me in turn, like emotionally. Yep. Sobbing. Just, it really, really hit me. I haven't been hit like that by a movie since Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Honestly, that's the movie I keep in my brain, in my my mental palace. When I think, when I think about Power of the Dog and I I gaze upon it in my my mental memory palace. um, Next door to it is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. A lot of the same, well, some of the same themes come up. Yeah. Well, yeah, and there's a lot, there's an underlying tone of like, what does it mean to, to aspire to more in the world that doesn't afford that for you? And, and how do you, how do you deal with the looming threat of patriarchy and, and aggression and violence um, in a place of where that only pretty much only exists and in a time, in a place of isolation too. It's, 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 it's like you said, it's, you get to just, you just get to swim in incredible performances in gorgeous cinematography and then on top of it you have the story that i'll never get over that ending i highly this movie so lends itself to rewatches um obviously i watched this a second time for the for the show is that true no i watched the second time right before i told you (laughs) that we should do the episode and and i i was just bawling and all like trying to covertly cry while also like beaming and seeing everything, all of the cues for everything that um, I now knew was going to happen. Uh, this movie just lends itself so well. So it's just so watchable for a two hour plus Western. Oh, didn't the time was not at all. Don't be no. intimidated by that runtime because I did not even notice. No. And it's another thing that I love on top of like really having a gorgeous sad thoughtful story and beautiful performances and all of this it's vibes man <laughs> this movie is full of vibes <laughs> and i could i could vibe out with these vibes forever i love kirsten dunst i did i didn't know she was in this i it was one of those movies that i wanted to see and so i just was determined to not know anything i was like well the picture on netflix he's wearing like a cowboy hat so i guess it's a western that was like all i knew and that i should see it and then Kirsten Dunst showed up, and I got so happy. I love her so much, and it's just yes. been, like, what a treat it has been. Like, first of all, it makes you feel like a fucking entire bag of desiccated 
hufu jerky. Uh, but like, what? What a treat it has been to watch her career because yeah. she started so young and she's been so prolific and and just like to watch that goes all the way back to interview with the vampire r.i.p ann rice 12 or 11 or whatever it was yeah she was a little tiny baby nominated for that golden globe and sadly not an oscar i hope to god she gets nominated for a fucking oscar for the power of the dog this movie i mean like awards whatever womp womp but this if this movie is ignored by the award cycle I will, well, I'll be very angry. You know Nightmare Alley's gonna win everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this will, <laughs> this will get a, be- a mention, an honorable mention. Yeah. But Kirsten Dunst, I just, I know I'm not gonna keep going on, but man. No, but please I, do. One thing I love about her is that she can do it all. Yeah. She, she can, can do it all. She can do comedy. She can do drama. She has transformed from like the young leading lady into the middle-aged leading lady yeah she's incredible and i don't know that we appreciate her quite enough i don't think we do and honestly i love kirsten dunst i had not seen her in anything very recently until this movie like i think the last thing i saw her in was hidden figures but it's so nice to just see her act and act in a big serious movie and um, and it's also, I feel weird saying this because I'm not like like trying to talk about, I don't want to like talk about women's appearances, but I guess I am now. But it's nice seeing her like look like a regular person and play a regular person. <laughs> and it helps like she looks just natural. Mm-hmm. And I have so much emotional investment in her in this film. Uh, she plays a literal angel and the movie knows she's a literal angel. <laughs> Um, who must be protected at all costs. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, I still don't see the appeal sexually. I feel like Anthony might now, but I don't see the appeal sexually, but having not really seen him do anything, I was like, oh, this is why he gets roles. He's incredible. He's incredible in this. I, I, as someone who has called him Benadryl Cumberbund and has stayed very far away from him for a very long time for no reason. I think it's honestly just I rebelled because people on the internet said he was hot. And I said, have you seen him? And so I just could not accept it. I The only thing I think I've even actually seen him in was the, the shitty Star Trek movie where he played Khan. And they're like, he's not Khan, he's not Khan, he's not Khan. And then at the, halfway through the movie he says, I'm Khan. <laughs> but, um... I think that's the only thing I've seen him in. So I just decided I didn't like him. Uh, And this movie completely changed my outlook on this guy. He's a fucking incredible actor. Well, in this movie in particular. Um, uh, I I still do not see the, like, attraction. (laughs) But what I like about this movie is Jane Campion understands how to bring out an appeal in him. um, And how to highlight that appeal cinematically. And he's very charismatic while being a total piece of shit in this movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, this film is two hours of him terrorizing a woman and her gay son. <laughs> like, Yeah, and yet, like, look, we told you to leave, okay? There's going to be spoilers in this episode. So get out of here if you don't want any spoilers. If you're still listening, honestly, 
the, you have to go. And I think that's why people aren't talking about this movie because they don't know and people don't know because the people that have seen it don't want to ruin the surprise of this movie, uh, of the onion unpeeling its layers. Right. I wish I had, I wish I had just watched it before we decided to do the episode. I mean, I was going to watch it, but I wish that the word queer had never oh, I'm been sorry. brought up because the whole time I knew I had an inkling of where it was going to go. It didn't, it didn't go there the way I thought it was going to, but it went there anyway. But yes, he is an entire piece of shit throughout this whole movie. And then at the end of the movie, when he dies, I lose my fucking mind. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I crying for that piece of shit? And it's like, oh no, actually I'm crying for all gay people everywhere throughout the history of the world. Yeah, no, and that's the thing, right? Is it's it's really calm, and that's the portrait too. That's where that's the portrait analogy for me is like these hidden histories, hidden histories, and oh boy, yep, hidden histories and having to hide and having to conform and having to be a piece of shit, be a piece of shit, and not be true to yourself and being afraid. Mm hmm. This movie just did it. Yep. Just addressed absolutely. addressed all of it in such beautiful, subtle, impactful ways. Yep. Like, without even speaking these words aloud, you know? It, it's all, um, it's funny because the queerness in this film is explicit, but it's not. It's not, it's, it's inferred. It's kind of like Suspiria in that way. It's, um, there's a very queer aesthetic that runs around it and it motivates the characters and you see it in their glances, but it's all in gesture. It's never actually, actually said. It's just, you, oh, you see the letter, the initials on the handkerchief. I think it's like the whole thing. I think one small thing that really gets me. Why am I getting emotional now talking about this fucking movie? Because it's an amazing movie and you're absolutely right on. It's speaking to real experiences of, of tragedies that have happened and to so many people in this world. But the... And I know we haven't, like, gone through the plot, whatever, but I just want to mention th- that it it's summed up for me in the little plaque that he has for Bronco Henry. Friend. Friend. Yep. I cut out all my crying, but please just, don't. Thank you for I, going there. <laughs> I like wasn't expecting this from this movie. I knew it was going to be a good movie, but I didn't, and I didn't expect it as the movie was happening. It's literally like the last fucking ten minutes that just yeah. knocked me out. Well, that's the thing is, you find your you see you you're terrorized by this man. Yeah. Um. You hate him. You're disgusted by him. He's appealing. You're disgusted by him. He's appealing. You're disgusted by him. You're afraid of him. You're afraid I of him. I was afraid of him through the whole movie of, like, what he was going to do. To I didn't know who he was going to do something to, but I was terrified he was going to have some kind of act of violence against one of these other characters who did nothing to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's the constant threat of violence anytime he's around. Yeah. And yet... The movie is so willing to to um, explore complexity and to allow us to see multiple sides of people. 
Which is really nice to not have to have characters that are what complex. <laughs> yeah, it's not just good guys and bad guys. And real that by the time you get to the ending of this movie, it's really sad what has to happen, but it has to happen. And it, but then that's also met with elation that it did happen, and that it, the the liberation that it means for these other characters. But but it is a trap it's like like what you know it's um it's the act of it's putting down a rabid dog and it just it sucks but it's it's the only way things can move forward yeah but i think it was also amazing that he was also afforded like why he ends up dying when you tie it all together it's like oh he died because he opened himself up to someone mhm mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pete went and took Rawhide from that dead cow. Yeah. And gave it to Phil, who then made rope from it and then died from it. And that wouldn't have had if Pete hadn't seen that in. If they hadn't spent time together and gotten closer and, uh, you know, had their night in the barn or whatever... Because Phil had completely shut himself off from everybody and shut himself, shut that part of him, his queerness, off. Yep. And then he opened himself up to this young boy and it cost him his life, ultimately. You know, it's like, it was the best thing for everybody for him to be put down, maybe, but, like, I just love that it wasn't like, oh, someone shot him, or, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, he brought about his, I mean, and I guess you could read into it or something but it's it's you know he had uh, he had some joy at the end mm-hmm. but that's simultaneous isn't that so sad when he's like especially when as they're like it's like it's it's literally like taking an animal to a vet like i just keep thinking of it in these like animal terms but um when when george is trying to get him into the wagon or the car whatever (laughs) and and he's just walking around looking for peter with that rope and it's just like oh he really is a real human being with feelings but he's also a piece of shit yeah (laughs) i love the and that's the power of the dog uh so i mean montana 1925 picture it (laughs) montana 1925 one thing this movie does that i've noticed that is kind of it feels like it's a trend lately, and I don't know that it's always warranted, is that this movie has chapter titles. Like, they're just numerical, yeah. but I'm just like, why is this? This is a storytelling conceit now. Yeah. Because I don't know that it needed them. It, I think it could have just worked as without those. Yeah, they definitely, I think they definitely, having watched it the second time, they definitely read as their own sections. But does setting them apart visibly, what what does that actually do? Right, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, So we have Phil and George, brothers, ranchers. Uh, Phil is crude. He's right there in the dirt with all the ranch hands. He's an asshole. (laughs) Like, no two ways about it. He's mean. Uh, violence is bubbling right under the surface at all times. Um, his brother George is softer. Phil calls him fatso, which is real nice. Uh, seems he's real quiet, doesn't engage as much with the manual labor, etc., etc. They come from, they have money. Their family has money. 
they end up meeting Rose. She's running like a boarding house kind of or a, I don't know, she feeds ranchers and things like this. Early, early Airbnb um, <laughs> Maven. Yeah. She is a widow of suicide. She has her son, Pete, who is ready for school. He's going to go off to medical school like his father was a doctor. Um, and he's a twink. <laughs> he's a murder twink. <laughs> like, there's no two ways about it. You know what I mean? Like, he, and everybody picks up on it right away, and it's a thing, but Pete is living his life. He has a lisp. He's an artist. He makes paper flowers. He lives with his mom and worships her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The clues are, uh, are there. If you really He's a look. gentle boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you really look. So George and Rose end up uh, married. They have a kind of, we don't see much of their relationship develop, but what we do see is really sweet. Um, They end up married and they move to the big house. And now Rose is like the lady of the house and doesn't adjust very well. You know, she has housekeepers and society dinner with the governor and his wife. And it's just, she's not comfortable she doesn't get support from anyone, really. Her son is away at school. Um, she had talked about how she didn't like alcohol. She seemed like a teetotaler. But then after that stressful dinner with the governor and her in-laws and all of this, because uh, Phil was basically menacing her, <laughs> it's really complicated. I'm not explaining it well, but she cracks under the pressure and starts drinking. And you feel like it's it's a relapse. Like, this is not, this is why yeah. she had stopped drinking. Um, and so she's falling apart, real sick, increasingly drunk, et cetera, et cetera. Pete comes home from school and catches George in his secret shrine to his old mentor slash lover. Phil catches Phil. Catches Phil. Sorry. Fine. Yeah. It's Phil, not George. It would be a different movie. <laughs> it would be a very different movie. Uh, she, he catches Phil in his secret getaway his his um his love shack yeah his his jerk off palace <laughs> uh and then from that point it's kind of like i know you're gay you know i'm gay and phil decides to take pete under his wing maybe with ulterior motives but he starts to teach him to be a rancher and how to ride a horse and how to do this and how to do that just like uh just like bronco henry taught him back when he was peter's age and they have what we can assume is their one night. Meanwhile, on one of their excursions, Phil cuts open his hand and then interacts with tainted rawhide, I can assume, from an anthrax-riddled dead cow. And he dies. And you get real sad. And you're surprised you're sad because he was such a jerk through this whole movie. And then you say, well, why was he a jerk? And then you weep for all the gays in the world. Yup. The end. Yup. And you you say, oh, I didn't know that was coming. Thanks, Anthony, (laughs) for this uh, uplifting tale. (laughs) And then I materialize in the TV and I smile and I wink. Yep, and that's the end. So, I mean, there's so much more to this movie, but that's the gist of it. But hopefully, if you're listening to this, You already know all that because you watched it. You already know. If you had this spoiled by us, shame on you. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) This movie is so good. It's so good.
That cinematography, the cinematography is just stunning. What she does with landscape. I mean, this was filmed in New Zealand, so obviously it's, you know, it's one of the most gorgeous places in the world. But her also, I mean, just her, her skill with a lens and, and how, how, telling stories simply through images. So much of this movie is just told through images. Um, and even getting to the sub, getting, well, the subtext is not really subtext, but getting to the, the inevitable reveals about Phil and his nature. Like, there's this shot where I was really, I was just stricken, where uh, she depicts all the, I want to call them cowboys, but I guess they're really like just the ranch hands. And there's a scene where they're all bathing in like this river stream and they're laying there like naked with the cowboy hats on their junk. And it's like the way she films them is like how, um, like how John Singer Sargent like drew bathers. Yeah, they're like nymphs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely like river nymphs. And you see, uh, you see Phil riding by on his horse in the woods and he's just got his head cocked all the way staring at them. And then he turns his head back, and then he goes into his little master baterium <laughs> in the woods. His Ellie Kedward brand um, salad bar. Yeah, his Ellie Kedward prefab salad bar. If you get, if you catch our drift. <laughs> and it's just like those. The just the the way she composes those shots, and then uses those to focus on a character, and then give you the visual cue into their ex- interior mind. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. so well done. Lots of suggestive uh, shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oiling that saddle. <laughs> Oiling the saddle. There's a when he takes him out on that that ride, or they go out to the the giant pile of hay, <laughs> and you see Phil right before he cuts his hand. You see him pick up one of those those big fence posts, and he just stands there <laughs> in the ground. Staring yeah. at the twink and just shoving the fence post up and down into the ground. <laughs> yeah. like, she films this very hornily. Yes. For um, a movie that, uh, I mean, ultimately we don't see them even kiss. No. There's barely a touch. But my God, the tension. Yeah. Yeah, the most erotic thing in the film is the hand on the elbow. Yeah. And then to the point that she just zooms in on that and then the whole camera starts spot spinning around them as they stare into each other's eyes with a hand on an elbow. And you're yeah. like, ooh, Montana, 1925, cool down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a murder scene. <laughs> right, yeah, ultimately. Like, what is this movie? It's, this movie, like we said, it says so much with saying so little. But when George and Rose... Get, they've just been married, and they have a really wonderful scene. That's her real life husband. You knew that, right? I didn't know that until Andrew said that when we were when I was showing it to Jason and Andrew. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. He's a really good actor too. I said, "Aw, I love them." They have a really wonderful scene together, and he is emotionally affected by the fact that he's married now, and he has her, and he just says, "It's nice not to be alone." <gasps> Isn't that so good? And that's the whole, that's one of the points of the movie is it's like, look at, look at this man, look at Phil, who has to be alone, basically. Mm-hmm. And look what it did to him. Yep. Yeah. And watching it the second time, 
I, I started to dial into it the first time as I was as the story was unfolding. But but seeing it the second time, like I guess the first time I was I would I just look at this character and I'm like, oh look at this piece of shit. Of course he's a man. So I'm like, <laughs> fuck this guy from the beginning. But watching it the second time, I really dialed into like, oh, so much of the tension and what happens, like the 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 kicking off point or the jumping off point for Phil and his story here, um, it opens. And there's so much, uh, he has so much disconnect with his brother, with George, where they're both, like, he, he they'll, they'll, they'll get together at Kristen Dunst's Airbnb, and they're gonna, um, they're gonna have dinner, but first they're gonna have drinks at the bar next door, at the saloon, and, hey, why isn't George taking the shot, or why isn't George dedicating time to Bronco Henry, who taught them everything they knew, and, Phil will check in with George and, uh, like, he, I mean, on top of antagonizing him and calling him fatso and all this stuff, he has to remind him about Bronco Henry. He reminds him about where they came from. He'll, he'll show up drunk to the, to the Airbnb that night and he can't find George and he's, like, distressed. There's, I realized, you know, later on that there's so much, um, of his, his desire for male affection he places directly on his brother. To the point that I think at some point there was probably some kind of relationship, I'll say, between the two that I think George stepped away from. Or he, I think he knows, George knows what's up with his brother. He know like, there's a part where, I mean, it's when they're going to do the toast to Bronco Henry. And George is like, yeah, mm-hmm, Bronco Henry. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone, he knows. Um, and so when he marries Rose, I think... Phil takes this as an act of betrayal. Like, Phil is... George comes home at the beginning of the film, and Phil is excited for them. He wants them to go out and go hunting elk and go cook them and camp in. Um, And it just sounds so like Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) Like, his (laughs) fantasy of these two guys going out. Um, And it's really similar to what he proposes to Peter later on about them going out and going out riding and whatever. And so it's... It's so affecting the more you spend time with a movie and really think about it to see the saga of where this man tries to tries to find um, that love and that that not being alone, uh, which ultimately, because the world is at, at odds with him and with that part of him, which I mean, it's not just a part of him, it is him, but because the world is at odds with that, he just can't exist in this world <laughs> safely. Mm-hmm. He can't exist in this world and not damage the other characters because of it. But then seeing Pete, seeing that completely twisted, because, I mean, obviously Pete is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see him so in love, like there's, I think there is kind of, Raj pointed this out when we were talking about it, and I think this is kind of there. There is a very light psycho element <laughs> of like a boy's best friend is his mother. Mm-hmm. And... He is he a sociopath? I don't th- I don't think so because of his his very real emotional attachments to people. But like I mean, we see him early on kill a rabbit and like take it apart <laughs> for um, for science because <laughs> he's trying to become a doctor. Um, but we see him kill a couple animals in the film, and then we see him ultimately put down Phil. And there's something about, well, this might just be a very loving gay serial killer in the making. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he necessarily is a serial killer. But um, but we see how Peter handles it. And so much of it is 
it's it's hard for him when he has to make that decision you see him walking back and forth in the barn outside trying to comprehend whether or not he should give the anthrax laden rawhide to phil oh i didn't i didn't see it as a deliberate thing at all that he did it oh he did yeah no no it was deliberate um the second viewing you see him come up with the plan as it's happening. And you see, like, like when he asks his mom, his mom is out crying, I think, a fourth of the way through the movie, or two, no, like, three-fourths of the way through the movie. His mom's, you know, drunk and crying out in front of the barn, and he says, it's Phil, isn't it? Oh, and that's then, true. I guess the beginning is the voiceover where he says, I had to save her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I had forgotten about that. So he he came up with this whole plan, and that's when he sees the rope getting made, and that's why he stops and cuts the... Oh, well, that changes a few things in my mind, Mm -hmm. place. But I think in his... I think in his... uh, So see, queer horror, technically. (laughs) Technically, he's a a, a premeditated murderer. (laughs) Okay. Um, But the fact that he still has to wrestle with what it means to do that and what it means to lose this person that could also be something more for him maybe i don't know i think also he's got his little college boyfriend oh yeah he could, uh doctor and or what was it and doctor and professor doctor and professor he's like i have a friend who he also wants to protect from phil like he actually says i'm not bringing him out here because i don't want him to meet a certain person um and then and then with his, like, the other part of this that I love is what the relationship between Phil and Rose, his mother, or Peter, oh my god, Pete and Rose, his mother's Rose, and how much it's like a knife in her gut to see, like, Pete befriends Phil, and I think he genuinely does want to learn from him, and he does care about him over time, but ultimately he has this plan, but that, but that Rose is... Rose sees Pete going off with Phil and she's horrified and she doesn't want to lose her sweet, soft, gay child. And she knows that he's just going to turn into Phil and how hard that is for her um, to lose. I I just love that there's this mother in 1925 Montana who is so concerned with the innocence of her, her gentle twink. (laughs) Right. It's, well, it's also real. I mean, I think Phil is such a tragic story because what he, when you find out at the dinner party that actually he's very, he's just as urbane as his brother and he's Yale educated and Mm -hmm. has all of this side to him. And then I think he encountered Bronco Henry. And I don't think that was a bad relationship, but I think it was like, I think he loved Bronco Henry so much that he became that kind of man. Yeah. That you have to, like, if you're going to be a man, you have to do these ranch things. And, like, you can't be a sissy fay, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it's, like, it's the whole closeting yourself and shutting off your life to conform to what society tells you you should be if you're a man or a woman or a gay or whatever. Yeah. It's very mask mask uber mask gay yeah Uh, it's something that still exists like the whole mask for mask mentality and it's it's i mean phil talks about it like they don't make men anymore like he has this whole line about that and about how bronco henry taught him to be a man but then you go and you look in the in the masturbatorium palace in the woods 
And those magazines, the porn magazines, or the like the early beefcake magazines that he have, all have Bronco Henry's name written on them. It was like they were hand-me-downs from Bronco Henry because he's such a man that you can't be a real man unless you're with other real men. And you're looking, if you want to look at naked men, they're muscly, like, you know, bodybuilder naked mm-hmm. men. They're not little fags. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, it just strikes me all as, as just so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tragic. Yeah. It's tragic. And to know that Bronco Henry could, you know, was probably just as repellent as Phil was in their own ways, that they're repellent. Um... But to know that they, they had this, I think, loving relationship that otherwise existed completely in secret. I mean, I think I think you summed it up entirely with, like, just the reverence that's paid to that image and the word on that plaque of, the, of Bronco Henry's, um, the shrine <laughs> to Bronco Henry and the, and the what, what, what the hell is that called? <laughs> that you said saddle? saddle saddle thank yeah. you <laughs> um but that shrine with the saddle it just says friend i get so people still have to do that do you know what I mean? like just yeah. having to live your life and you want to introduce this person to your parents or to your friends or whatever and you just have to say this is my friend this is my roommate but it, it's just like having to live your whole... I mean, I've had to do that. I've lived with girlfriends and had to be like, oh, let's go to one of our houses for Christmas and be like, this is my roommate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, some people know. Some people are completely clueless. But mm-hmm. it's like feeling the need... You have to lie. And then eventually you... Like there are times when you convince yourself that that's okay to lie. Like that's the way it is. I just have to hide this. I just have to lie. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, that's, yeah, that's just the given. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's shifting. I think it's shifted a lot. Um, I think it's still shifting, but also that's not the case for everybody. It's not the case for most people in the world. Exactly. I think we, um, something that I was, you know, thinking about the other night when I was like, am I a libertarian? But something that I was thinking about the other night was like, you know, uh, we can... We can get into these huge conversations about identity, pol- I hate to use my uh, identity politics, but you know, we can get into big conversations about identity and what words we use for each other and the visibility and representation. And we can make these big overarching statements on Twitter and all that. But all of that, the ability to do that comes from a place of enormous privilege. Yes. Um, where there are people that still don't have safety to even come out. Regardless of what they're coming out as, of who they are, they do not have safety to even do that or to think about that. Um, And that's not just in the United States. It's much worse in a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's, we have this, I think, because in rich, white, (laughs) uh, American media, we have this image of like, oh, well, kids today, it's not an issue. Yeah, it's a very white Western mindset. Yeah. Um, Everybody on American Horror Story is gay, so that means that we're fine now. Gay rights are everywhere. Just because we have gay cartoons and a Will and Grace revival doesn't mean that the entire (laughs) world is like swimming in pride nutcrackers from Target. Thank you. So, I just, like, I think... 
a lot of people need, especially, I mean, younger people who have grown up, like, it's nice in the West where it's like, they've grown up and their gay characters have always been in the media. Mm -hmm. That's great. But I think it's good to remember your own perspective and where you are. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And, and, and that's all it's also very important to be aware of your history. And how recent some of these advancements are. Yeah. And how much people are trying to push back against them. Mm-hmm. Even here in the lauded West. You know, mm-hmm. like, so. Oh yeah, we're, uh, listen, you said it earlier, the turn back time. <laughs> but we, yeah. are, we are literally all share turning back time in terms of the government and rights. It just makes me sad that he couldn't just be like, Bronco and Henry and I used to do it. <laughs> could you imagine if that was on the plaque Bronco <laughs> Henry we used to do it he shows up to dinner and everyone's sitting around the banana and which I just love when he says banana but everyone's sitting around it and then they see Phil and he walks in and he just goes mom <laughs> and Francis Conroy looks at, up at him and he goes Bronco Henry and I used to do it <laughs> And the governor's wife faints. Oh! <laughs> yeah, it'd be so good. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be so good. That brings me to another thing with this movie that I loved. Is I love that Jane Campion, no role is a small role. Yes. No role, it, it, like, I, I could not believe. I audibly gasped in the theater when Frances Conroy appeared on screen. <laughs> Because I love her, and I was so happy to get to see her play something that wasn't a Ryan Murphy character. Yeah, no kidding. And I was like, oh my god, a real actress getting to do real acting. <laughs> and and also, even, um, I can't remember her name, but she plays Lola, the house... Thomason McKenzie, who... Yes! If you haven't seen Leave No Trace, you should see Leave No Trace. She's fucking fantastic in that movie. That, was, that movie kind of came and went, and people didn't didn't really respond to it i haven't i haven't seen it i need to see it. i've only seen her in jojo rabbit and last night in soho and it's just wild to me because she's a lead yeah and she's in such a minor part in this movie yeah she has a like a bit part she's just a maid in the background and it's like but that jane campion knows to invest in like just incredible actors because no role is wasted Every role is important. They fill out the universe of this film. Um, I thought, like, just just that, just the the cinematography, the te- the testament to the importance of casting. Like, it just shows how thoughtful she is as an artist in in telling the story and making it real and making you making you feel it <laughs> and feel every bit of it. Boy, did I feel it! I'm so glad. I'm so glad you. It did something for you. It really did. I mean, it's just I love a good movie, you know. In this, let in, alone in a this, good gay movie. Let alone a good gay movie. Like I just, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like all the the big releases are just comic books, and you know, it's yeah, an adult version of your childhood favorite. Yeah, but don't you want to? <laughs> I look, still people. Can't. Listen, I'll tell people. Okay, so I went, when I went to get my booster, I'm all boosted, y'all. Doesn't Oh, you, you believe in that. I do believe. You know what? I do believe in it. Okay. <laughs> I do. Well, good for you, I guess. Yeah, so I'm all boosted. Uh, so I got boosted at Target. 
spent some time walking around Target and I found this I saw this box and I was like that looks like a Ben Cooper Halloween costume box and I looked at it and sure enough it was it was a Yoda costume from Ben Cooper the famous Halloween costume company yep and on the front of the box it said an adult version of your childhood favorite and I took a picture of it and I sent the picture to Anthony because it's our pet peeve and it's something that we talk about all the time. Believe it or not, we do even more complaining off the air than we do on <laughs> the just show. Bile. Just pure, just bats of bile. <laughs> yeah, Statler and Waldorf are on fucking roid raging all the time. And I sent it to Anthony and I was like, this sentence on this box sums up our current culture crisis is that everything is an adult version of your childhood favorite here's the new ghostbusters here's the new comic book movie here's another star war (laughs) you know it's all like we need oh oh, look jennifer aniston is starring in a live adaptation of the facts of life or whatever it's like we can't (laughs) Everything like oh here's a reboot here's a remake here's this here's the here's I know what you did last summer but now everybody's twelve like it's just it, you know what I mean like they just we are trapped in this awful nostalgia cycle and I feel like we're all stagnating and our muscles are atrophying and we don't realize it yeah yeah C- culturally absolutely. Yeah, and so something like this comes out, and it's just like a fucking masterpiece in every respect. I have nothing negative to say about this movie. Mm -mm. At all. Mm -mm. Uh, And it just, it feels good. It feels like uh, when you watch that movies from the late 70s, and it's like, yeah, we had Star Wars, but we also had like movies (laughs) you know what i mean like real movies you know how much i love star wars but it was like what was dominating the box office was like adult oriented dramas clute yeah clute you had clute you had network you had people acting and all of this stuff and those kind of movies are becoming few and far between nowadays and especially with the changing landscape in our covid riddled world of movie theaters uh, disappearing here in my neck of the woods. We have one movie theater. Which is why you still haven't seen Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Exactly. Which is which is violence. <laughs> which I can't wait to see. Which is uh, like, hey, remember 1998? But still, still, that doesn't count. <laughs> right, it doesn't count when I like it. Uh, <laughs> but our movie chain shut down. We have one fucking movie theater in South, like Southeast, in the Portland area. Yeah. There's one movie theater. But you know what has stayed open through this COVID crisis out of all the, the businesses that have closed, etc.? is the artisanal olive oil shop. So I'm really oh. thankful for that. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God they're still open. Not that I want anybody to lose their jobs, but I'm just saying, like, just, you know. It'd be a... nice to have a movie theater. It'd be nice to have some arts and culture. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the thing, right, is then everything is going to streaming. Everything is Disney. 
everything is Marvel, everything is Star Wars, everything is Disney Plus or Netflix. I mean, I I guess I can just say God bless Netflix for helping. The, I don't know if they helped this film because I don't know how it's doing, but I'm I'm glad it's accessible. But that's the thing. Everything's shutting down. We're just moving to streaming. And then everything else, the, all the streaming options are just, hey, remember these comic books you grew up with? Who cares about abortion going away? Look at, look at Hawkeye. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just, um, it's, it's, it's really upsetting. So it's nice to see a film like this. This is like how I felt coming out of the movie theater after Portrait, where I, I had just, it's, I mean, a fresh set of, of new tear ducts after I've shed my last ones. Uh, it's how I felt coming out of Suspiria where I was just so creatively energized. Um, it's, it's that thing where someone, an artist reaches into your brain and they're like, Hey, I know you like these things <laughs> and crying here. Let's make this emotional experience for you. But then when you texted me back or when you texted me about that, I had to, I had to text you back and I had to say, um, can't talk right now. I'm at Ghostbusters. Right. (laughs) Plug it in my Dreamcast. That's the thing. Don't you want to just go to a movie where two people in their 40s sit, like, look out at a beautiful landscape and cry? Yes. (laughs) Talking about how happy they are to have found someone. It's such a nice scene. There's so many nice scenes. What a movie. What a movie. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. Give her every award, but Kirsten Dunst... With her her wacky, she's been drinking piano playing um, music. <laughs> Anytime, like, because she, the second half of this movie, she spirals out. And then the music that accompanies her as she wanders through the house is just, like, Silent Hill, piano. And she, <laughs> but her wandering through the fields and, like, having her, having her drunk days as she has her, like, white savior moment. And she's just staring at the beautiful, like, buckskin gloves that the natives gave her. <sighs> just a queen. Just, I could watch her with her gloves. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Forever. Love the power of the dog. I love that, you know, like I said, horror, queer horror is, is a stretch. <laughs> but we keep listeners on their toes. One week it's Terror Train. <laughs> the next week, it, those are the two genders. Terror Train and the power of the dog. Yep. but there is gay revenge in this film there is a homosexual homicide and so i say empirically a formative queer horror classic and feminist well there you go i love the power of the dog love the power of the dog man oh man i'm wiped out yeah 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 with all that said are you ready to to get off the Bronco Henry commemorative shrine and place your head on the chopping block? <laughs> Not really, but... Well, I can't be any worse than usual. So sure, why not? Let's do it. The chopping block. What is it? It's a game. It's a question and answer game here on Gay Lords of Darkness in which we present each other with three categories. We choose one of the three categories and then we are subjected to five questions that we must answer. We have 10 seconds to answer each question unless you call out, I want the wig. 
in which Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2 descends upon thy head and confuses our non-binary executioner, the heads they, earning you an additional 10 seconds to answer that question. If you get anything wrong, game over, you're done. However, if you get all five questions right, congratulations. That's the power of the dog. Yay! I think I asked first last time. Well, well, look at you. Oh, I'm remembering. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, look at my use of cognition. Me. Oh, I put on makeup and I remember things. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm Anthony. I'm a girl boss. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, earlier today, I thought about the chopping block. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) What's the verdict? (laughs) The verdict is you have three old-ass categories. Like, speaking of a bag of hoofoo jerky, that's these categories. Because they are literally so old. I love that! I had to blow the dust off of my computer screen. (laughs) Because <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> to unearth them. Uh, to excavate these questions. I had to excavate them, and then a big boulder was rolling after me. <laughs> oh, right. You had to you had to swap out the statue with the bag. Or is that the A-team? What am I singing? I don't know. <laughs> it's the adult version of one of my childhood favorites. That's all I know. Uh, okay, so cat, old, cat, desiccated category number one. In honor of the power of the dog, this is man's best friend, (gasps) question mark, and this is all about dogs in horror movies. Okay. Sometimes I want the name of the movie, sometimes I want the name of the dog. Oh, cuties. Dogs in horror movies. Uh, category number two a binder full of horror actresses. What was I thinking with that one? Uh, <laughs> Mitt Romney themed horror trivia. Yeah. Yes, this is all questions about Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> Remember him? Uh, so this is all about uh, horror actresses. Sometimes I don't know what I want with these, but we'll see. Okay, category three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Category three is three for one. I give you three keywords. You tell me the name of the movie I'm describing. The movie is a one-word title. Oh, wait. Oh, you give me three keywords. You tell me the movie I'm describing, and the movies all have one-word titles. Okay? Man's Best Friend, a binder full of horror actresses, and three for one. You see why these were dusty and desiccated on the bottom of the pile, but you know what? That's not my problem. (laughs) No, it's mine. It's yours, so congratulations. (laughs) You're going to get all of them for every single one, so. You know, I I really want to pay tribute to the power of the dog with the little cuties with the four legs, but... But I think, or two legs if they have the little wheel, or wheels three, on the back. They could have three or legs. Three. Maybe yeah, like one. the one on my street. Maybe they don't have any. Maybe they're just like a log with a head. <laughs> just a boxing Helena dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, you could wear it in like the little baby wrap. The Bjorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that said, because of how soft my brain is, I think the three letter word, three syllable words, words with one word, but the three letters. Yeah. This category Please. is called words. Words. These are so easy that you will be celebrating in a minute. Will I? Three for one. This is so easy. I'm almost embarrassed. Okay, here we go. Number one. Hammer. Shotgun. False eyelashes. What? What? I... I want the wig. Wait, a hammer and a shotgun and false eyelash. False eyelashes? But a hammer and a shotgun and a hammer and false eye False eyelashes? Wait. No. Wait. Yeah, I wanted to say it. It's a one word title. Oh, that was a thing. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Okay, now that I'm thinking about how I'm supposed to answer it. Wait, ha- wait. Hammer and false eyelashes. And a... Wait, a chainsaw? No. <laughs> shotgun. Hammer, a shotgun, and false eyelashes. And one word? Mm-hmm. Who has a hammer? Oh! No. Well, in <laughs> record, she has a hammer. And then she shoots her with a shotgun in the second one. There'll be two movies, first of all. The Madero's girl doesn't have false eyelashes, (laughs) but I want that for her. She might. (laughs) We don't get a good look. Wait, hammer, shock, false eyelash. One word? False eyelashes? What the (laughs) hell is it? Martyrs. False eyelashes? Mademoiselle peels off her false eyelashes. Oh, damn it. When she gets her face all nude for her suicide. Spoilers. <laughs> and her butler says, what are you, mademoiselle, what are you doing? She says, I'm getting my face nude, Jacques. <laughs> That's right. Keep doubting. It's a profound moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shit the bed. My turn. <laughs> okay. You have, I'm, for all intents and purposes, you have two new categories, but are they? Um, well, one of them is. But your returning category is Fatal Obsession. And this is all about erotic thrillers. <gasps> Murder-leaning erotic thrillers. Uh, fatal Obsession, that's your returning category. Your new categories, um, this one is questionably new because, I, was it even just last week I had you do the holiday movies? Mm-hmm. But those could be any holiday. Right. This category is called Jingle All the Dead, in which you have 50 seconds to name five specifically Christmas-themed horror movies. Jingle All the Dead. Okay. Casey, I told you my brain was broken. Fair okay. You heard me die from false eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to rub the salt in. Jingle All the Dead. You have to name five Christmas-themed horror movies. However, if you name ten, oh. you unlock Esther's Christmas ribbon. Oh, 
Oh, how dare you? Which she uses on all of her holiday wrappings. <laughs> um, and, and what that and her neck. <laughs> and what that does is it literally is just the same as the Esther's ribbon. It brings you back the next time you die. Okay. Um. So that's your other questionably new category. And then your new, actually new category is be gay, do crime. And oh. this is trivia all about bad gays on film and the gay lords who love them. So actually it has nothing to do with us. But it's, it's a kind of, you know, you have to name a character or you have to name a movie or you have to name an object. But they're all based around gays that do crime all right so your categories are fatal obsession jingle all the dead or be gay do crime i'm gonna die in any of those it's kind of you know what i feel you know you know all of them for the gay peoples well well i thought you would know all of these other ones too you see i feel at peace with my imminent end (laughs) That's good. I have set out, I have achieved what I set out to achieve, which is absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Aim high. Uh, And so my time has come. I place my head on the chopping block and they say, look at her, how brave she is. That her face is just placid. Like that lake. She's like a lake of calm peace. With a, with a crocodile in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I say, bring it on, heads they. Hold that labrys high. Prepare to swing it down and chop off my head. Oh, I have to pick a category. <laughs> yeah, you do have to do that too. The heads they uh, checks their watch. <laughs> um, well, my category is the gay one. Be gay, do crime? Yes. Good choice. Good choice. You're going to get this. In some of the questions, you name a character. and some of them, you name the movie. and some of them, and so on and so forth. You ready? Be gay, do crime? Question one. Sure. Ready? Okay. All right. All right. Be gay, do crime. All about those bad gays on film. Question one. Susie Banyan doesn't just steal the church money. Later in Suspiria, we see her stealing What? Oh, the lipstick. Ding, 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 ding. Well done. <laughs> I was like, the essence of Mother Suspiria. <laughs> I was overcomplicating. Okay. She steals Helena Marcos's claim to the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. She does steal the lipstick. And I say, I love her. Question two. She might have taken fuck the police a bit literally. But this mermaid also kills and eats men to make up for it. Yeah. Golden. Ding, 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 ding. From the lure. Well done. It's a tough one because their names are weird. Yeah. Because it should be silver and gold, but it's silver and golden. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't correspond to their hair color. No. Uh, Well done. Okay, look at you. Question three. Virginia Woolf's Orlando goes the way of the Macarena in this new French film. What? Wait, what? All right, wig, please. Orlando, by the way, oh. Tatane? Good job! Ding, 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 ding! Okay. 
Okay, that was that was phrased a little um ethereally. Yeah. <laughs> but very well done. You got it. Okay. And you do still have like six other wigs. <laughs> yeah. My strictly strode catalog. <laughs> yeah, you have the entire back catalog of strictly strode. Question four. Look at you, you're so far. Question four. If the killer's leather getup wasn't gay enough, his choice to murder people in a furniture store certainly is. What's the movie? <laughs> Hide and Go Shriek, starring Bunky Jones. Bunky Jones! God bless Rabunka. I love her forever. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Question five. You're going for the gold in question five. Jennifer kills boys, not people, when she isn't kissing what character? Needy. Ding, 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 ding! Oh my god. Ding, ding, ding! Clang, clang, clang goes the trolley! Well, well. This is unexpected. Now I don't know. I was so at peace with my fate, and now look at me. Look at you! Now I have survivor's guilt. (laughs) (laughs) Why me? I look at your head head and body next to me and I say, why was I chosen? (laughs) How can I go on? Oh, well, that's very kind. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I won. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. You did it. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a non-denominational holiday miracle. You know, I'm thinking now of after the salad bar. (laughs) After indulging (laughs) the garden of fleshly delights or whatever, right? Like the velvet rope. Yeah, much like they had to get in the car. Oh, do you have your wallet? Yeah, I got my wallet. Like, they have to get in the car and go to the velvet rope. Then when all is said and done, when the last of the hidden valley has been explored, (laughs) both in the salad bar and on the show floor, shall we say, everybody has to put their clothes on and go home. And so I'm just like... Yeah, well, I'll see you next time, Rabunka. <laughs> yeah, ooh, oh boy, I had too many. Oh, cherry tomatoes always give me gas or whatever from the salad bar. And then they have to, like, put their clothes back on, get in the car, and go home and be like, that was fun. Rabunka by the salad bar. <laughs> like, like, oh, did you have fun? Yeah, that was a good time. Like, there's just something so mon- mundane about the to and fro. Yes, having to, like, tie your shoes and be like, oh. Yeah, like at the roller rink or the bowling alley or whatever when everybody's putting their regular shoes back on. Yeah, yeah! It's like that kind of vibe, but you just got done, like, fisting somebody. (sighs) Well, anyway, I mean, those are just my thoughts. I mean, if we're going to open the show with incredible thoughts, why not close the show with them? Stacy. This is what I'm saying. Stacy, I have an incredible thought. Oh, I mean, what if we did a live show? No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Absolutely not. They probably already have a screen. I'm sure they do. Because they have to put their art films on it. 
No, thank you. Live from the salad bar. It's Gaylords of Darkness. (laughs) No, I won't be able to concentrate. And this show takes a high amount of concentration. Could you? They're just doing it while we're just doing it. (laughs) We're just sitting there talking about. Yeah, I'm either weeping over the power of the dog or goofing over the nail gun massacre. And like two feet in front of us, there's all, you know, things going in places. And it's just, no. Did I ever tell you about um, the time that I got really drunk with my friend and we snuck into a sex theater? And uh, we we watched, there was this woman, she was getting gangbanged, but she was dressed like Raggedy Ann. (laughs) what a turn on she i know she literally raggedy and she had the wig she had the little freckles drawn on her face and the little blush dots and um a man went to switch out the condom or something put on a condom and then she was she's waiting and then she turns and she looks at me dead in my eyes and she goes am i just gonna sit here all night or is someone gonna shove it in me Oh, full Raggedy Ann face. You know, while I'm glad it's uh, adhering more to the reality of it, I gotta say, it sounds like the new Annabelle is taking a real departure <laughs> <laughs> from the rest of the series. <laughs> she was in church class <laughs> on the performance bed. But you're right, dramaturgically. Dramaturgically, it's more accurate. To... She wasn't a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. So um, we could do that at the salad bar. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no. In the back of the episode, you just hear... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Well, anyway, we'll, we'll be back next year. <laughs> yeah, sad to say we won't be here next week. Uh, we, and not because we've been canceled by our free service. That is a coincidence. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to take a week off for the holidays. So. Imagine that. Look at us being selfish ingrates. Yeah. So we'll be back the week after this next week, whatever that is, which will yeah. be 2022. Oh, it never needs to be said. Um, so, I don't know. I hope everybody has a nice whatever they choose to celebrate. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's it. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.